All right. Welcome back, everybody. I know it's been it's been actually a couple weeks, which is uh, I think the longest uh, we've ever gone without doing a show. Um, just a lot of crazy things happening, um, just between kind of all the hosts uh, that uh, we weren't able to get a show going. But um, as far as I can tell, we're going to be right back on our schedule and to make up for the last couple weeks. Um, we're going to try to squeak in a, a couple more episodes in there to kind of make up for that because um, kind of falling behind on our long list of topics to talk about. And I can only assume that there's going to be a ton of stuff coming out with CMON uh, between the patch and just all the other stuff that uh, they have in store for 2022. So uh, definitely want to get some uh, of the other topics covered um, so that it's not just, uh, you know, episode after episode covering, you know, new reveals and whatnot. You know, we want to kind of get back to also discussing tactics and just, uh, you know, stuff of that sort. But if you have not already seen the title, we are going to be discussing uh, the CMON uh, song chat. Um, it's kind of like their podcast that they do every once in a while uh, to kind of, you know, give us updates and, um, you know, they take on some uh, questions from the chat and then they answer them. Um, this one in particular was kind of like their holiday special. Uh, and, you know, we... We listened to the the song chat and kind of, you know, took everything in that they talked about. And on this uh, episode, we're going to kind of just be going over everything that uh, they talked about and then kind of giving our thoughts on, on it. Um, today, I have with me Brett. Thank you so much uh, for being on. Sure. It's a, it's a pleasure. And, and uh, <laughs> yeah. We're gonna we're gonna try to cram everything in in an hour here, but yeah, it was. I wouldn't call it a bombshell per se, um, but there was definitely some pretty relevant stuff that they discussed, and uh, I think that um, yeah, I'm of the opinion that ultimately it's going to. I think the ripple effects from from this change are are a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger than some people might think. Um, but that's that's my theory, and 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 I could be wrong. So I'm happy kind of to have a little healthy debate with you because I'm not entirely sure that we see eye to eye on it. So um, <laughs> I'm going to do my best to, you know, throw my suit on and and, and see if I can uh, be an attorney and and persuade you. So uh, the jury's out <laughs> on it. So we'll uh, we'll kind of treat it that way, and and uh, you know, uh, even for a little bit of fun, we can ask our viewers, you know, who whose take uh, they think is, is more likely to come to fruition. It could be, could be interesting, but uh, I'm definitely eager to discuss it. So anyone that's on our Discord, uh, I kind of threw it out there that, you know, me and Brett probably, there's probably only one of the things that they discussed that we probably don't see eye to eye, but um, I could be totally wrong because uh, uh, me and Brett have not actually discussed uh, what what our thoughts on each uh, of the topics. So it'll be interesting to kind of see uh, uh, where uh, we agree and whatnot. But um, this show definitely uh, is probably going to be a quicker one because they're actually, like, in a nutshell, there wasn't a whole lot that they revealed. I believe there's only, like, three major topics, um, and then they uh, discussed uh, – 
the new Lannister and Stark starter boxes that are going to have all uh, re-sculpts. And so to kind of just get that one out of the way, um, if you have not already heard, uh, the Stark and Lannister starter halves, um, they're getting their own starter boxes, and it's going to be uh, identical in every way with one exception. Um, the Starks, instead of uh, Outriders, are going to get the Car Stark Spearmen, and the Lannisters, instead of the Mountainsmen, uh, they're going to get the uh, Clegane uh, Brigands. So um, the Resculpts all look amazing. All of them are awesome. Um, I only have one small gripe, and it's maybe it's, it's as far as I can tell, it's just me. I haven't had anyone else say this. The mountain, his pose looks awesome, but for me personally, it just seems out of character. Like that pose, it just doesn't seem like a pose that the mountain would do um, with the shield and everything. It, it seems to, I don't know. Again, that's probably just me, and it's probably just my little nitpick, but. Otherwise, and it, otherwise uh, of it seeming out of character for the mountain, at least in my opinion, the the pose still looks amazing, um, awesome. Um, and uh, just before we move on to the you know the meat and potatoes of what they discussed, uh, I'm gonna give uh, my favorite unit and my favorite model. Um, that they re-sculpted. And I want to say, even though I'm a huge Stark player, you know, and I love my Berserkers and I love how they've made them dynamic and everything, I'm going to have to go with uh, the Lannister Guardsmen. Uh, personally, out of the Stark vs. Lannister starter uh, box, those were the sculpts I, ha I hated the most because of their pose, not necessarily because of the detail of them. Just their pose just seemed so weird, and it was awkward trying to get the models into the trays and out of the trays because of their swords always poking into the next guy. These sculpts look absolutely amazing, and I might actually buy two, you know, I only plan to buy one of each, but because of them, I might actually buy two of the Lannister starter half, just so I can have uh, four units of them and not have to use any of the, the original sculpts. But, uh, and then I would say it was really close for, like, single model. It, it was a tie between Jamie Lannister and Rob Stark, personally for me. And I'm going to barely have to give it to Rob Stark, um, mostly because Jamie's other models look cool. I like them. Uh, Rob's two models, they look fine. Like, you know, the the more, uh, the one that comes in the starter box, uh, you know, is nice and, and kind of fits like kind of how he is overseeing the battle. Uh, the other one, I like a lot too. But it always reminded me of uh, Aragorn running into uh, into battle uh, in the last movie in uh, Return of the King. So that one always kind of made me laugh a little bit because it always reminded me of that. So I would have to give the best model to Rob Stark. And before we move on, Brett, what would you say is your number one unit resculpt and model resculpt? Well, the Guardsmen, it's 
they look really good. It's got me a little bit depressed because um, obviously I know you know, but I sold those Lannisters that I had painted purple with all of the conversions and everything because I wanted to do a really vibrant blue and gold color scheme. So I, I had started over on my Lannisters and I started with the guards. So if I'm going to put the time and effort into painting them, it's going to be a little bit depressing because I'm going to be really tempted to do those new sculpts. But they look phenomenal. As far <laughs> as the sculpts go, though, I do go ahead and uh, give it to the Berserkers. I really, really like them. They, uh, their original Berserker sculpts I like. They were a, a pleasure to paint. Um, these new ones look even better. Um, the faces are really, really nice. There's a lot of character in them. So I'm going to give it to the Berserkers. And then as far as the single models go, I've always been, uh, ever since I started playing Wargame, I've always been a fan of female sculpts, but I like female sculpts that are kind of like a little bit more classy um, and have like uh, an attractive face, you know, and it can be difficult with that. But I'm looking at the new Catelyn and the new Cersei, and they are definitely very nice sculpts they're 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 classy they're not over the top they're not ridiculous um and they're not over sexualized but based on the renders that we've seen they both are really attractive so i am definitely interested in painting both of them to you know try to use some painting techniques to make them visually appealing um i think so far my favorite song model that I painted was my it's an attractive model and I spent a very long time doing you know eyeliner and, and, and blush on her face and uh, I've spent a lot of time on the lips and stuff so I'm, I'm looking forward to doing Cersei and Catelyn so they get uh, between the two I guess I'll give it to Cersei because I'm a Lannister at heart and then the Berserkers Nice yeah and that's not the you know those are just our favorites all of them look amazing. In my opinion, an honorable mention uh, is uh, uh, Sansa. I think they did an awesome job turning, turning, kind of turning back the clock on Sansa. You know, Sansa's resculpt makes her look so much younger to in what I would picture her age. You know, at least at the start of the books, whereas the Sansa we kind of got. Um, with the initial launch, it seems a bit older, kind of a little, um, a little bit further into the progression of the story. So it was really nice to kind of see the way they uh, came out with this sculpt. All right. With that said, oh, one more thing I wanted to mention, which uh, they mentioned at the very end of the song chat. Someone asked the question about Greyjoys, if they'll ever get like cavalry and war machines and whatnot. Uh, and the, the long uh, uh, or the short answer of that pretty much was is that it doesn't make a lot of sense, but it is possible. Uh, but they did spoil. Uh, Michael did spoil a little bit in there that Greyjoys will be getting a solo of some kind. They did not mention anything past that, but uh, it's still you know one of those little things I want to throw out there uh, that they did say. Um, uh, just so I don't forget to mention it once we get into the the big issues, the big topics. So, again, with that said, we will jump right into the big stuff. Um, first one I wanted to discuss was uh, 
uh, NCUs. So they're going back to, uh, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, it's identical to what it was, or it might be slightly different, but essentially the same. And that's if, uh, if there's no room on the tactics board, your NCU cannot activate. So um, meaning if both players take three NCUs, and assuming no one took uh, Priot Pre to open up the sixth uh, spot with the uh, House of the Undying, um, that sixth NCU, if the other five uh, spots on the board have been taken, uh, cannot activate. Um, personally, uh, I don't think it will, I think it's a good change. I think, uh, you know, all it really stops is just getting a free pass with an NCU, and I think that's that's fine. Really, I don't think it changes the meta of three NCU at all. People are just going to make sure that one of, at minimum, one of their three NCUs has a effect that does not need the tactics board. For example, Tycho. It's just at the start of any turn. So, um, and then even though you'll have every other round, you'll potentially have your NCU not be able to activate on the offhand or on the all those other rounds your opponent will then not have an NCU that they can activate so it, it will even out in the end anyways so really in short all it is stopping is for you having like a, a free you know oh I'm just gonna lay down my NCU so that now you have to make a decision and I think that's a good thing what do you think, Brett? Okay, so so with this one, um, just want to kind of add a little bit to what you said. It's similar to when the game came out uh, in its original release, but there is a subtle difference. When the game originally came out, when you activated an NCU, the only thing you were allowed to do was move to the tactics board. You didn't have a choice. So in this instance, uh, for example, we'll pick on Wildling Diplomacy because it's been kind of a powerful card since it came out. And in the case of Wildling Diplomacy, all your opponent as a free folk player had to do was wait until there were two zones left and you would activate your NCU. They could mark those two zones. You didn't have a choice but to claim one of them. And in the case of Starks, who were super popular and the Mountain That Rides and things like that, it was pretty much an insta-kill. And there wasn't anything you could do to prevent it. Then when they did an update, they they changed it to where that rule was basically omitted. You could activate an NCU and do nothing. Uh, you could activate an NCU and claim the board if you wanted. It gave a little bit of counterplay for some of these more punishing effects when you would claim a zone. Now what you're seeing is it's kind of somewhere in between. <clears throat> so you can still activate an NCU, and if there's spots open on the board, you can choose to do nothing with that NCU. gives you a little bit of counterplay for some of those punishing effects. Uh, you've got things like Wilding Diplomacy still, you've got Whispered Threats, and there's a few other ones. Um, I think Euron has one, Mind Games, where both players get to resolve the effect of the zone. So there can be cases where you still have the option. Now, what it does change for the meta, and, and I think I agree with you, I think people are still going to run three NCUs. And it's not because three NCUs is just clearly better. I think a lot of it will have to do because uh, with um, the fear of running against three NCUs when you only have two, and some of the zone replacement effects still being very, 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 very game-changing. Uh, you've got free charges off the board still. 
you've got effects like Illyrio Mopatis, who's a big, big heal and a weakened token. You don't want to run the two NCUs and offer your opponent the opportunity to, at their leisure, trigger their Illyrio heal by, you know, they can take an NCU and pass, ensuring that they'll have that zone open. But that gives you a little bit of counterplay, and that's basically what happens. Um, so in a lot of rounds, you know, swords go first, then maybe it's the bag or the letters. And, you know, once those two zones are, are left open, one opponent is likely to activate an NCU and pass to ensure that later in the round they can get an effect. What it does do is, for example, let's say that uh, standard round begins, players move to the tactics board to get the best benefits out of them, and the maneuver zone's open. Traditionally, as the game is played now, you could just, activate your NCU, claim the maneuver zone, perform a retreat, or do a maneuver, and then you know that later in the round you can just flip and pass that NCU. Now, there's going to be some corner cases where you need a retreat or you need a maneuver, but you need it like now. And doing that now is going to block your third NCU off of the board, and there's going to be an opportunity cost that's lost if you flip that NCU and wait to do that because then you're giving your opponent a couple more turns. So it's not a huge, massive, massive, like, game-breaking change, but there's going to be some corner cases where the 3-NCU versus 3-NCU is going to put a little bit of pressure and strain on the player who didn't go first because they're going to want to get all of their activations out, but they're not going to be able to. But oftentimes it just doesn't matter because everything's happening so fast the engagements are there and, and the game's starting to close out, you're not really just idly passing your NCU. That's more or less around one, two, sometimes around three things where, you know, I'm going to pass my NCU, you move a board piece first, you know. So it's not huge, but um, I don't think it's enough to break a three NCU meta, but there's, like I said, there's going to be some corner cases where the opponent's a little bit annoyed and, uh, they've got to do some things that they don't necessarily want to do in an order that they don't want to do them. Agreed. I think uh, overall, I think this is a good change for the game. Um, and as I mentioned before, you know, the there's only a handful of things that they uh, had talked about that they were changing and it's not like this huge change it's not like it's going to drastically change your games um you know it's just a little bit here and there to kind of help the you know the health of the game in my opinion and leading into the next one is uh the they are removing the extra point uh granted by uh commanders when controlling objectives um so uh, in particular, this only applies for the missions where there are objectives and that, you know, they grant extra points, such as Game of Thrones, um, uh, Dance with Dragons, uh, Honed and Ready, and there might be uh, Clash of Kings and whatnot. Um, it does not take away the extra abilities that... Uh, Fire and Blood give to commanders, or uh, Here We Stand, those are still active. It's simply only for the uh, ones where the objectives give points every round. Um, it's not like Winds of Winter, because that, that one didn't give you uh, points for your commander. But uh, So no longer will your commander give you plus one. And again, I think this is a great change. Um, I can't tell you how many times that that one simple thing is the deciding factor of the game because 
your opponent you your opponent lost the dice roll and they have to deploy first and it gives you a huge idea of where their commander is going and then if you know your commander is better in a unit better than theirs uh, especially in a mission where the objectives are in the middle such as dance of dragons um, you can deploy your commander across from their commander get to it first and now not only are you getting two around from that one but you've also stopped them from getting two. It was it was too big of a swing, in my opinion, uh, that you know it it kind of changed the game quite a bit. And I can't tell you how many times I'd play like newer players. I wouldn't say newer, but you know, like more casual players. And I'd play a, ca- uh, a casual list, but you know, there's still certain tactics that you kind of do, you know, just as a normal thing. You know, you deploy your commander across from an objective, and then you notice that your opponent didn't, and now it's it's like an uphill battle for your opponent because they're simply, they're not in that mindset of, I have to get my commander on an objective. Um, I think this is a really great thing. I think, uh, um, you know, incentivizing you to be a little more offensive with your commander you know you're um you know in a miniature war game it's a little different than in like real life you you want your commander to kind of be out there you know hacking away at the enemy you don't want them you know because we play a game where you know you might play a campaign but that's you know that's that's kind of a different story but if you're talking like pickup games or tournaments or whatnot the game is the game so you're not worried about making sure that your commander survived to you know lead your army into other battles you know you're you're worried about your commander you know getting out there and doing some damage and taking away this extra point means that your commander is um it's not as big of a deal if you send your commander because now that the, your commander unit won't give you any more victory points than let's say um, you know your base five point unit with no attachment that's just gonna is kind of meant to sit on an objective um, and you know they kind of mention in the chat that in the in the in their song chat that you know too many players were you know, taking, uh, you know, these commanders and just kind of sitting, you know, building them in such a way that you just sit on objectives. And I, you know, I'm not going to lie, I've I've done it plenty of times myself. You know, I've we've talked about on the show even that, you know, optimally, you either wanted your commander to be like super offensive and uh, able to wreck through things, or in a very cheap unit that just sits on an objective while you throw other things in front of it to protect it. Uh, for example, one of my lists, you know, Tywin and Poor Fellows, a four-point investment that has, a, for four points, a really good survivability. You know, with Lannister Supremacy, anything getting close, I can weaken it. Uh, it's healing ability, high morale, uh, and I'm getting two points, especially if it's a mission where it's like Game of Thrones and I have a an objective really close to me. Now, knowing that uh, I'm kind of wasting Tywin by sitting him in that unit incentivizes me to actually build him in a list 
where he will be more useful and even you know more thematic in a different unit. Um, and there's some more other stuff there, but I don't want to like take all the, you know all the talking points. But I'll, I'll turn it over to you, Brett. Uh, what's your thoughts on this change? Oh well, for me personally, and maybe it's this is this is where the debate kind of starts. I guess for me, maybe, maybe it's pie in the sky. But for me, I feel like this change is more meta shifting than what people are giving it credit for, right? Because currently, and basically since I don't know for a while, <laughs> the 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 scale of favor where you know more activations versus less activations has been tipped pretty heavily in favor of more activations in the previous iterations of the game, like 1.6, it was tipped more for higher activations because the units did so much damage. And you had the opportunity to set up uh, last turn, first turn, and you could. it was very easy to wipe out a unit. Um, you know, if, if we'll just pick on Starks, for example. Starks running 10 activations against a 7-activation Lannister list. The Lannister player has moved all of his pieces, and he's done responding to anything that the Stark player does. Now the Stark player can play swift advance, devastating impact, controlling the horse. They do a big bomb, teen-inch charge, and they smack your unit. They do a ton of damage. They're going first next round. They take the swords, and they pop a unit. And now it's a 10-6 to 6 instead of a 10-7, to 7, and it just kind of steamrolled from there. It was very difficult to recover. Uh, in this version of the game, they've addressed some of the one-shot potential. They've addressed some of the, I'll dare say, screw you type of combos, like the, the aforementioned swift advance into devastating impact. Um, you know, they've, they've addressed some of that. So it's not as easy to one-shot units. Uh, even when you've got the last turn, first turn advantage, it doesn't necessarily guarantee that you're going to kill that unit. Um, so now what you've seen become favorable as a meta choice is basically body blocking. So you'll see eight, nine activation lists, uh, uh, like a Horde-style army. Um, and almost everybody can do it. You know, Nightwatch can run. Conscript just as a healing battery. Um, Greyjoys do it really, really well. Four-point Bowmen, four-point Trappers. Um, free Folk do it well. Four-point Raiders. Um, and then, you know, the potential to get free units from Endless Horde. Um, and Lannisters can kind of just spam poor fellows, but the name of that game has become how much can I body block? How long can I tie up my opponent's best unit? Unfortunately, picking on Flademan a little bit, they're kind of the hero unit for basically everybody that's not free folk. I've got a unit of Flademan. Can my Flademan break through? Can my Flademan get through some of these units and then start devastating the back line? And in a lot of cases, that answer was no, because you're swimming through a sea of bodies, a sea of wounds, and you're trying to get through them to get to the backfield where the commander's just sitting and scoring two points. So you have the option to either put your commander on an objective in the backfield to try to match their two-point scoring and kind of just battle for the center, or you bring your commander into the fight to try to add some leverage to win the middle. But unfortunately, a lot of times the game's ending in round four. So with minus one victory point for scoring, it's a little bit more difficult in that race to 10. So you're assuming two victory points every round for the commander that's sitting in the backfield. They're scoring between rounds two and four. They're getting six 
victory points. If they've got another unit that's sitting on a back objective as well, they're getting nine just on the objectives alone in the backfield. That causes the game to end quickly. So even if you do break through the center, you've got to divide your forces to deal with those other two units that are just sitting there scoring because if you kill the commander, sure, you stop the two points, but the the unit sitting on the other back objective is going to get them to 10, and the game's going to end. Um, so scoring, I believe that the game is going to last around five, and in a lot of cases, it's going to last till round six. The game ending in round four is probably going to be very, very unlikely. Uh, you'd have to do a lot. And what that does is it takes some of the wind out of the sails of these horde armies, because I think nearly everybody who's listening can attest to you know, I've played a game, and I just clubbed my opponent nearly to death. I destroyed 20 points, and but I couldn't break through and get to the commander, so I lost 10 to 5. You know, I killed so many units, and, you know, his commander unit was alive, and he had another unit with two wounds or something like that. I just needed one more round, and I could have tabled it. And I think that those horde armies, like in particular Greyjoys, in particular Free Folk, the poor fellow type of Lannister armies, a lot of times from what I've seen of watching tournament games, they're just barely hanging on by a thread, um, especially in a mission like Honed and Ready. Uh, the poor fellows with the Lannister commander has been battered by arrows. It's got three or four wounds left. It's not surviving another round, but they close the game. So uh, commander scoring change, those horde armies might not be able to hold up they might not be able to last till around five or six. But additionally, you're getting a lot more mileage out of units like Stagnites who need the game to go to round five or six for them to really get their value. Stagnites are good. They become very, very good starting round five. If they make it to round six, they're, they're nuts. But unfortunately, the game's normally over by then. So you can kind of just ignore that unit and let it do what it's doing. In particular, a unit like Elden with Stagnite, if it's, if it's become an objective babysitter, that's eight points that's not in the fight. You're probably getting outmanned and outmatched because their commander is likely in a four-point unit. So it could, be, it could be a meta shift. Maybe it won't. At the very least, it can't, it, it can't hurt for some things to shake up and change even a little bit. But I'm... I'm thinking that it's, that it's possible that hyper-aggressive Targary- Targaryen armies, for example, can, can uh, win even in these objective-based missions because they can just go full throttle, balls to the walls, and just destroy your army. If your army is designed to last four or five rounds, maybe it won't anymore because you're having to deal with a constant barrage and a constant assault from, from something like Targaryens or, you know, like a mountain-led list that's just hyper-aggressive and is really able to get the most out of overrun and assault orders and things like this, and they're being rewarded for being aggressive. But, again, could be pie in the sky. We'll have to see. Yeah, I definitely agree with all that. Um, that was actually, you know, the... Like, that was one of the reasons why my least favorite mission out of all of them is uh, Dark Wings, Dark Words. Simply because uh, you score by killing things, you score by objectives, you score by 
uh, extra pointless commander, and you score by the objective cards. You scored so many ways that uh, no matter pretty much what you played, it was almost always over by turn four, or round four. Um, and personally, I don't know if this change for that mission will change that much, but with that mission aside, you know, I think, uh, I think you're right that, you know, games are definitely going to be lasting. I would say, I would say competitive games are going to start lasting till round five, a lot more consistently. And casual games are definitely going to be lasting till round six, which is, I think, a really good thing because, you know, the game is designed with six rounds in it. You know, obviously games can end before that, but uh, I would say it's rare that I ever make it to round six, even in casual games. And I think uh, when the game is designed around a six-round, you know, cycle, that certain balances tend to not show through the way they should if you can't get to that round six. Uh, for Like you were saying, um, Stagnites, uh, do they have an ability on round six or do they stop on round five? I think they get uh, round, ability round, on round six. No, round, yeah, round six they get plus two attack dice, which is nine for them, and they would have critical blow, thundering, and vivid. I think it's auto hits. I think it's... Uh, like auto hits for every rank they have or something like that? Let me have a look. I'll pull it up. I could be wrong. Maybe it's uh maybe it's battle endurance that adds attack dice. Yeah, you're right. Stag knights get critical blow in round two, vicious round three, thundering round four, deals plus one hitch for each of this unit's remaining ranks starting in round five, which is pretty substantial. Plus potentially plus three hits is definitely better than plus two attack dice. Yeah, and exactly. And there and there's that's, that's there's good. plenty of other things that are based on the game round, and um, I think uh, yeah I think this change will definitely help with that. Um, also, with that said, you know there's something that they mentioned. You know this rule only really truly existed because of NCU commanders. Uh, it was a way to counterbalance how strong they were, and you know even then. Uh, they were still so strong that a lot of people still ran one list of each, you know, a field commander and a, an NCU commander. And then when they got rid of the NCU commanders, uh, as in their words, this rule kind of just got grandfathered in, you know, it just kind of, you know, went into the new, you know, 2021 missions. Um, and really, I you know, I agree that it doesn't make any sense anymore now that there's uh, no NCU commanders. I think, you know, completely taking it out is, is a good thing because, you know, now you don't feel obligated to sit your commander on an objective. And I think that's really important for not only the health of the game competitively, but just even thematically. Um, you know, no one... I, I, I say no, and I'm sure there's probably someone out there, but most people, I would assume, they want to see their commander go out there and just start, you know, 
uh, cleaving through, you know, the enemy and actually making a difference, or even a, a support commander who wants to get up into the fight to help support, let's say, like Asha um, commander giving out that uh, morale bubble, you know, if you're forced to kind of sit her back on an objective, that bubble is a lot less effective. But if you're not really obligated to sit back anymore and you can kind of get up there, you can start making that bubble uh, morale start to be more effective. And, you know, this is true for any of the other support commanders with the bubble effects or even like long range, um, let's say like uh, anyone with like mark target or any token effects um so yeah overall i think a great change and i think uh as you were saying it's definitely i think going to shift the meta uh quite a bit um people are going to have to start you know not everyone you know some people this might not really affect you uh but others you know they're going to have to kind of change up their game plan um all right so there is only one more topic to talk about and this is the one that I think that me and Brett will disagree on. Now, I will I will put it this way. Um, my thoughts on the matter are not completely one-sided. So I'll jump right into it. Uh, and so they changed it to where uh, while in combat, um, only options will be to attack or retreat. You no longer can activate and choose to do nothing if if uh, engaged. Uh, Brett, correct me if I'm wrong. That's only if you're engaged, right? You can still activate uh, and do nothing if you're not engaged. So let's say I'm just on an objective and I wish mm. to just activate yeah. and do nothing. Okay. Yeah. My, um, my, my understanding from the developer's chat is that uh, this is for when units are engaged. Um, so far as I can tell, it seems to be kind of a fluff choice. I, I, I'm not 100% sure. I didn't get to watch the whole thing because I was working, but my understanding from the conversations that are being had is this is when you are engaged, you must select attack or retreat, and if you select retreat, you must actually complete a retreat. So there's, it seems that they've closed the loophole of saying, I'm going to declare a retreat as my action, but I'm actually just going to sit here. Correct. Yep. That's what I got to. And don't worry if you didn't listen to the whole thing. I was lame and listened to it four times. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting. So let's, I guess, let's put it this way. I like the idea. I like the direction they're going. I, just don't like leaving it at where it's at. And I would say my only big concern, which actually ends up being their example, is Lannister supremacy. I think Lannister supremacy is ridiculously good. It's way too good. And the only counter to it was to not attack. Now that you're forced to attack or retreat off an objective... It's way too good. You're you're going to be able to see armies of nothing but Lannister guardsmen with maybe some poor fellows with war cry to get those panic token and vulnerables out there to make sure you fail those Lannister supremacies, or you're forced to just leave objectives and then you just lose because your opponent's on an objective. Now, 
that isn't to say that that's going to happen all the time, every time. But I'm going to say on an average, you're going to have this huge negative player play experience with this Lannister supremacy that up until now, or at least up until the change, you know, it it's not been a huge issue because people's answer is just not attack it. And they made the point that Lannister Guardsmen were balanced with the ability in mind, but in my opinion, as they're working right now, Lannister Guards are awesome at five points. You put in a vet, make them a six-point attachment, as I've mentioned plenty of times when we talk about Lannisters, that gives them just enough bite to give them some offense to where they're not completely like, you know, you're not completely relying on your opponent attacking you. And now your uh, Lannister supremacy is that much more dangerous. Um, you know, I just tested out a list um, the other day. It's Roos and Guardsmen, Guardsmen and Guardsmen, both with vets, another Guardsman with nothing, poor fellows with Champion of the Faith, and another poor fellow with Champion of the Faith, and then Joffrey and Sparrow, it's eight activations, six combat units, and you know you just have the Lannister Guardsmen screen the poor fellows as they throw out a bajillion tokens, and you can't attack anything without fear of possibly taking seven, eight, nine, or ten wounds from a Lannister supremacy between Hear Me Roar, Joffrey, the Vet, uh, and then the, all the minuses, especially depending on how you play with terrain with corpse pile, uh, you, you could be having an impossible morale test. Or if you're a conscript or a poor fellow, or sorry, a conscript or a uh, raider unit, and you have plus one to that damage as well, you literally cannot attack that unit for fear of exploding off of one ability. It is way too good, way way too good, and. I would say I am open to the argument of this being a very healthy change for the game if you change Lannister Supremacy or if there's a cap on the damage that you can take from an, a panic test. All right, rant over. What's uh, your opinion, Brett? Okay, I, I just want to start by prefacing one thing. and. I, I, I can understand where you're coming from, and, and I, I think a lot of people will likely have the same reservations, um, in particular with it, – it, and it's not just Lannister supremacy. I think people are going to be quite afraid of Roos and Blaggard. Um, that unit is super, super, super scary. I've, I've messed with it before. I was playing a casual-ish competitive game. Uh, it was a ranked game on a Song of Ice and Fire stats. I was winning the game like 6-2 to two or something like that. I was playing Targaryens. I destroyed everything in the center, and he had Roos and Blaggard left and Solo Jorah, maybe? And meanwhile, I had my entire army. My veterans controlled the center. It was Dance for Dragons. And I could have very easily just taken Khal Drogo, went and picked up the other objective token, and won the game because Roos was holding a token. He was never getting to me, and little Jorah wasn't going to do anything. I chose to play the game, <laughs> uh, much to my uh, <laughs> a very bad decision. I chose to play the game. I chose to go, go ahead and challenge Roos. 
uh, as opposed to just saying, well, you know, it's round three. Here's what I can do. There's not anything you can do about it. I out-activate you. Even if you crowns at me and I drop the token, I can activate and go pick it back up. I went and played the game. And Ruth Blaggard, from me trying to attack them, destroyed me. Um, he didn't kill the Blood Riders, killed them. Um, they were unable to hurt him. <clears throat> and between spread fear and the horrific visage, I lost my screamers when I charged him. And then the spread fear killed my little Jorah. So it was like, oh, my God, I had the game <laughs> one. And then all of a sudden I'm looking around. My army's devastated by this one idle unit that's movement two and really can't even hurt me. But in the end, when I went into him, he hurt me because vicious plus <laughs> presence is nasty. And he just, he, just, he just messed me up. And I lost like 11 to 10 because I couldn't kill Ruth. And not just that I couldn't kill him, I couldn't get him to drop the objective. Uh, I think at one point I had to charge Jorah into his rear to get him to drop the token. And it didn't work. And then I got later I got spread fear and it killed Jorah. But nonetheless, I I can see some people's reservations, but the thing to keep in mind is there's another layer to this whole story that none of us know, right? There's also a balance patch. They're working on it. They're doing a balance patch. And it's just one of those things. If, If you have no faith in the developers, why are you even playing the game? So you have to, you have to have faith that they've looked at this change and they said, okay, let's take this, let's play it, let's see what needs tweaked from here. Is this too powerful? But I think overall, some of these fears stem from a mentality where you're still playing the same game that you were playing this month, last month, the previous month, starting with the 2021 update. But that's the whole point of a balance patch. That's the whole point of these things that they do And what, for me, makes me love this game so much is that this game is constantly evolving. And what was good before may not be good now. What was bad before, maybe it's good now. And it's constantly shifting the way that you think and the way that you play this game. And I think every army has some type of counter, some type of thing that they can do to get around these units. Uh, Lannister Guard have terrible morale. So you can play a panic game, and you can bring that double-edged sword against the Lannisters as well. You can bring units like uh, Followers of Bone or your own Blackguard. And in a, in, a, in a game where you can retreat your Blackguard and force the guard to charge you if they want to kill anything, and then the guardsmen have to take a morale test at negative three, maybe negative four if you've plugged in, you know, the uh, Ruse or, or something like that. I don't think I don't believe Boltons have a generic attachment with um, – they don't. They don't have a generic attachment that brings intimidating presence. But regardless, Lannister's guardsmen taking a panic test at negative three puts them on a morale 10. It's probably a fail. So they can also be punished. But more importantly, you have the option to run some of these elite units that are just sitting on the shelf. Uh, Greyjoys have silenced men. Silenced men are phenomenal. Um, silenced men can beat Lannister Guard in that grind. They've got Thundering. Um, they've got a commander like Victarion. They've got attachments like Newt, Newt that bring Vulnerable on the charge. Victarion has free charge cards. 
you charge into the Lannister Guardsmen with two pillage tokens, you're giving them seven attacks with Sundering. They're vulnerable. And then they're taking a morale test with bad morale, and they're getting negative uh, two to really dent that, the effectiveness of that Lannister supremacy. Um, that's just one example. Free folk have things like giants. Giants, I don't think they're going to care that much about Lannister supremacy because they take a max of two wounds for failing, and all that's going to do is make the giant angry. So the giant's just going to get a little bit stronger, and the guard with their standard attack profile is going to be really, really hard to get through a giant. Um, you have other things. You have cave dweller savages on the free folk side. They're a unit that does see some play, but they're a good unit. They're very low morale. They have thundering. They have the capability of borrowing other abilities. The army does have gang up, so you can get your cave dweller savages with a load of dice, and you can give them insight to give them vicious as well. So cave dweller savages can punch through Lannister guardsmen. Um, currently, Bolton Flademen on a charge can punch through Lannister guardsmen, and I played against Hurley um, when I was tr- when I was teaching Madison the game. My my 13 year old daughter. And I just had a regular naked unit of guardsmen. And, like, John didn't care. Like, he just charged straight into them with his flademen. And with the panic test, the number of hits that he caused on the charge, he took two ranks off. So now you're looking at Lannister Supremacy at minus one. It did really nothing to the flademen. And then the next round, they killed them. Um, so it's not like they're this unkillable unit that's just bouncing panic everywhere. And if you choose to spam... Lannister Guardsmen, I, I think you kind of put yourself at a disadvantage because then you don't really have a unit that can punch through them. And if they beat you to an objective token, um, they can always still just retreat one inch away so that they're not engaged with you. Um, but they're just not going to get through you. Like the Lannister Guardsmen versus Tully Sworn Shields, eh, they're not going to win that battle. Um, you know, so you have options. Um, and again, spamming Guardsmen is very, very slow army. You know, if you're running three guardsmen, you have, like, the slowest army of all time next to Baratheon, and you're just going to struggle to get your points out of those guardsmen. And I don't necessarily know that it's going to be that bad. You'll be able to get to their flanks with cavalry. And once you start to destroy ranks on those guardsmen, the effectiveness of Lannister supremacy is very, 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 very diminished. So I do get some reservation, but I think ultimately, just like anything else, we're just going to have to play a bunch of games because if you rewind to the release, everybody could see that Night's Watch was going to be really strong. But, you know, when you ask people, uh, Lannisters were the second strongest. And uh, Greyjoys just weren't very good. They weren't a strong faction. They were, they were a new faction. They didn't have a whole lot of play. Uh, free Folk were terrible, if you ask most people. Free Folk were just bad. That, and, and that's that mentality of people that were hanging on to 1.6, like, oh, no, I can't run insignificant spam and just win this game by attrition. This army is terrible. But come to find out several months later, Free Folk are one of the best armies. It's one of the armies that you don't want to see across from you because they're so good and so flexible. But it took a while for people to warm up to it. By the same token, Greyjoys took a while to hit their stride. It took a minute for people to, you know, kind of figure out their play style, figure out how to take advantage of these healing cards. You know, it took people a little bit of time to warm up to the fact that Windermere is one of the best NCUs in the game. And it just took some time. And it took some trial and error. And, you know, you saw a bunch of Iron Makers at first. 
Ironmakers with Eric Ironmaker NCU. This is my hammer slash anvil. And, you know, some people like it, some people didn't. Then you saw, like, just Reaver Spam. And now you're seeing, you know, Double Bowman as a base for every list. Um, so it's, it's flexing and it's changing all of the time. And that's what it's going to be here. It's just going to take some adjustment. And if you are closed-minded, and I'm not trying to scold anyone or tell anyone that they're playing the game wrong, but if you're so closed-minded that you're unwilling to change the style that you play, you're unwilling to try new units in a new landscape, then, then that's your loss. But I think, that, I think that it opens the door for exploration again. Even before we know anything that's been rebalanced or reworked, just that change to commanders, like I said, it's a shift to make defensive units viable because they're going to be able to get the most out of their defensive abilities that are built into their points cost, right? Um, and they're going to give you a chance to play the attrition game if that's the style that you want to play. So I, a little bit of a mixed bag, kind of like an all-comers list. You've got a hammer, you've got an anvil, you've got some chaff, you know, things like that maybe finally they will be the way to play as opposed to, well, just spam this unit because it's good. Just every Lannister list starts with three poor fellows because, hey, why not? They are hard to get through. They'll last until round four or five. They'll body block. They'll do everything that I need them to do. My commander goes in them. My commander's sole purpose is to sit on an objective. I don't even need to look at pyromancers because killing in this game doesn't matter that much because by the time the pyromancers get through the units, this game will be over. And I think people just need to open their mind and try some different stuff. I'm in the same boat. I don't. I haven't played with these changes, so I don't know what's going to work and what's not. <laughs> I have lists to try. And I know from my experiences running like a, a very aggressive Gregor list at seven activations into the current landscape, there were games that I was very, very close. I destroyed most of their army, but they just held on long enough to close out the game before I could get to the backfield, to the second layer. Everybody's in the same boat. It's kind of like a, a soft reset, and let's see what works. <laughs> Throw stuff at the wall until it sticks. Kind of been the name of the game with every update. Yeah, I definitely could see where you're coming from with a lot of that. Um, as far as like having faith in the developers, I definitely have faith that in the end they'll fix things that come up. Um, but no one's perfect. I kind of, you know, let's say for example, if my worst fear is right about the Lancer Supremacy and the list that I've tried, you know, granted only once, but, uh, you know, I have faith that they will fix anything that comes up. Um, I'm just more so worried about uh, this being a repercussion of what seems like a healthy change. Like, I'll put it this way. If it wasn't for Lancer Supremacy, at face value, I think this would be a healthy change to force people to have to attack or retreat. Um, like, thematically, you could say that it, it's thematic. Then again, you know, you could argue that adding in another action to, like, uh, you know, stand your ground, uh, you take a morale test, so not like a panic test, but a morale test, and if you fail, you have to retreat. 
Otherwise, if you pass, you're able to sit there and, you know, not do anything, you know, as if, like, the the sergeant or whoever's, you know, commanding the units, like, hey, guys, Attachium is obviously not working here. Let's, uh, let's bide our time, let's hold this objective, and let's, you know, wait for some reinforcements, yada, yada. You, you could argue that sort of thing. Um, you know, everyone can kind of argue their own, like, thematically, you know, thematic rule there. But overall, I think at face value, it, it could be a very healthy change. Um, I'm not even that super worried about uh, Visage, you know, let's say on the um, Follower's Bone and uh, and the, bla- the Blackguard. Uh, they increase the damage. I mean, you could put an Intimidating Presence in there and get it increased that way, but the Lannister Supremacy doing, you know, because if you bounce off that unit, let's say with just a bad roll, like one bad roll, you can get the damage upwards of 10 wounds. And, you know, the, and I think, you know, you can basically explode from attacking. And there's just too many ways to make it good. I think maybe if Lancer Supremacy was, you know, didn't increase the damage, um, then it would be a different story. But, uh, yeah, I, like I said, the Lancer Supremacy is the only thing I'm truly worried about. Uh, and like you said, who knows what the change may be, or what the changes may be for the update. Maybe Lancer Supremacy is getting changed, and maybe my, all of my worries are for nothing. Um, it's one of those things that when, when they give us these tidbits, I wouldn't have it any other way. I wouldn't tell them to not give us these tidbits, but kind of one of the, you know, things that happen when you give like when we're given the tidbits is speculation it's just a normal it's a natural thing to have speculation and we can only go based off of the information that they give us and because they haven't given us any other information i mean yes we just kind of have to wait and see uh and everything you have to take with a grain of salt like you can't just assume the worst is automatic. For example, you know, I'm still playing the game. I'm trying it out. I'm, you know, let's say my worst fears are true and it stays, the game stays with the Lancer Supremacy potentially exploding things all the time, with the exception of, like, having certain units that can ignore it uh, or do good against it. I'll still play the game. Because, again, I have faith that if it becomes a true problem, that CMON will, you know, look at it, they'll take the data, and they'll they'll address it. Um, but, uh, you know, that's, I guess, where it come in as the community. You know, test as much as you can and get your feedback out there, whether it be from your local tournaments, bigger tournaments, just casual games, um, you know, CMON takes all that in. They take in their own playtesting uh, stuff as well as, um, you know, just anything and everything they can. You know, if, if if enough people are saying, hey, there's this problem, that's when they go, okay, maybe we should start looking at that. And then they start implementing, They, I'm assuming, they start implementing those 
what seem like problems to the community into their playtesting, uh, into their playtester group. So, you know, overall, I think, uh, you know, think even if some of this, uh, if the Lannister supremacy thing becomes a problem, that they'll, you know, they'll address it. Um, but uh, overall, like the entire song chat and everything that they mentioned, I think uh, are great changes. And I think this last one that me and Brett disagree just a little bit on, um, for the most part, uh, you know, I think it's it's a, a healthy change, the exception of Lancer Supremacy. I guess that's the, the simplest way for me to put it, like my opinion on it. Uh, I think um, it will give defensive units more of a purpose than just I'm purchasing this unit so that they can sit on an objective. Um, you know, it gives you, you know, because I've always been, you know, with the exception of Ice and Fire, I've always been a, a very defensive player. You know, I loved running units that didn't have a lot of offense, but they had a ton of defense. And this game can't necessarily do that. Like, you can, like a super all-defensive list rarely works. It can work, and there's certain, uh, like, outliers out there that can make it work. But as a rule, as, like, the general rule, all straight-up defensive lists have a very hard time in this game. Now, uh, hybrid lists, hybrid meaning you can have, like, half defense and half offense, those do quite well, you know, because they they complement each other or uh but then you go to the other end of that spectrum and super offensive lists also do really well in this game so uh i definitely agree with you brett that this change definitely will help defensive units kind of get boost which i think they need i just personally think that lannister guardsmen are the the one case where they their uh, their ability is way more than what their point cost suggests. Um, you know, I would say Lannister Suprem. If you're forced to attack Lannister Supremacy or retreat, uh, you know, they're an easy six point unit with nothing else. Because even though they have that seven up morale, that three up defense is is basically the best in the game. You know, there's uh, what uh, one unit plus the noble that have a two-up save um, in the game? Gregor, Stagnite Noble, and Iron Makers. Gregor, Stagnite. Yeah, Iron Makers can get there. Yeah, with their ability. <laughs> Iron Makers with um, two pillage tokens and technically Karstark Spearman. Yep. So a three-up save on a five-up unit is is awesome, um, or a five-point unit. Uh, and, you know, they mention how the Lannister Guardsmen have one of the worst profiles in the game, but when everything got dice reduced, the average uh, dice profile for a five-point unit is almost identical to Lannister Guardsmen with the exception of they have seven dice at... They have one more die at full ranks, and usually the same dice at second and the same dice at last. So literally one more die... Uh, than a Lannister Guardsman. Uh, now, Lannister Guardsmen have no keywords, but there are other units that don't have keywords. So it's one of those things that, you know, Lannister Guardsmen, I think, are 
are the one, they're the exception. They're the, not the rule when it comes to this new change. And I have high hopes for this new change. My one concern is really just uh, the guardsmen. Um, Brett, is there well, anything else you wanted to add there? Yeah, here's my last devil's advocate thing on this one, and it's, it's probably going to sound a little abrasive, but it, it doesn't necessarily mean to, but kind of <laughs> does. Um, if you're taking a morale 7 or a morale 8 unit and you're doing a, a – uh, like you're doing an opening attack on a full unit of guardsmen, like, I'm sorry, but you you deserve to take like six, seven, eight wounds. <laughs> and I don't mean to be rude and abrasive with that, but like if that if that's your solution, if that's the best play that you can do, is to take a unit of free folk raiders and charge them headfirst into a unit of guardsmen, he, he, you you probably um, if you're if you're shooting with Greyjoy Bowman into Lannister Guardsmen in the front, probably you know you're going to get what's what's going to happen. Um, <laughs> but when you get to their flanks, um, you crown zap them. You um, spend a little bit of resources to gain sundering or or something like this. Um, yeah, but you're, I mean, you're talking about units that are like four and five points. So, yeah, they're going to struggle with Lannister guardmen, Guardsmen who are specifically designed to do punishing panic damage. That's, that's basically all they do. <laughs> they're very slow. They hit on a four plus. Um, you've got the Sparrow card that can let them hit on threes with Sundering. You've got Mandon Moore who can let them hit on threes with Sundering. If, I mean, if you want to put Gregor in them, you can, you'd be paying seven points for it for Tywin's Mad Dog, or that's where your commander's going to do two auto wounds. There's just not, like, I know the Assault Vet adds more panic damage, so you're getting intimidating presence off of that attack, and you can probably do some chip damage. But for me, it's just like they don't have the at-any-cost order that they have in... 1.6, which actually really made them tough to get through because you, you know, you crown zap them to try to get a wound in and maybe they spend at any cost. And so they've only taken one wound and then they're still, you know, really healthy. And, and it was always a minus two with D3 plus one. Now it's negative ranks remaining with D3 plus ranks remaining. But unless you're running Cersei, you've got two hear me roars. And by way of Lannisters, which, I mean, I play Lannisters. That's in your basic deck, that's your dunk. That's your that's your only basic deck offensive card. And a lot of commanders for Lannisters don't even really bring offensive cards to the party. As I mentioned, you have the High Sparrow. Jamie Lannister has a card that lets his unit uh, re-roll, and they get vulnerable, I think. So that's two. Gregor obviously has Assault Orders and Price of Failure, but Price of Failure could be really punishing for the Guardsmen as well. Because the one thing that they're good at is being defensive and resilient. If you play Price of Failure, roll six dice and miss four times, you just give your own unit. Um, overrun, obviously, is offensive. They'd have to actually kill something. Um, you know, you see what I'm getting at. There's, And there's other things that are kind of like bonkers power level, too. Um, 
You know, I've played several games where Greyjoy archers with finger dance shot into a flank. Uh, six dice, re-rolls, you're vulnerable. All six hits go through, fail a panic test, take two or three wounds. That's eight or nine wounds from a four-point unit with minimal resources because finger dance is meant for bowmen. <laughs> like, it's, it's the best possible place to play them because if they're engaging your bowmen and they're able to make you vulnerable to, you know, get the the bad side of that card, it's, yeah, yeah you're probably in trouble anyway if you're, if you're Greyjoy bowmen are being charged. It's probably a bad sign for how the game's going for you. Um, but I don't know. I just, I, I guess we're definitely going to disagree about, about guardsmen. I think they're good. Um, but they're just not played right now very much because they're gonna, they're slow and people just aren't going to attack them. And so they're not getting much value. And I think that they'll still be good, but there's going to be some cases where, you know, Hey, you're going to retreat and, that's the breaks, you know. Um, it's a rule change. It's a different landscape. They'll charge you. Probably still not going to do a whole lot. Um, and you've taken away their best ability. You still have the control to take away their best ability because you can't force someone to attack you. And even with this change, you can't force them to attack you. They just retreat. So I just don't know how viable a guardsman spam list could be. Maybe it will be and maybe I'm wrong. But... We'll just have to see. I'm I'm not overly concerned about Lannister Guardsmen, to be honest. Um, I mean, Bolton Flademen way way scarier, and they charge you and hurt you and do bad things to you, <laughs> and they're mobile. And, so. Yeah, but, but then, but then they still die. Like the Flademen still die, because then, because then you'll take, you know, a minus three of. A minus three, if not four, if not minus five, uh, panic check with a panic token on you. Yeah, and then you fail that panic, and then I heal up to three from Sparrow, and then I play Fealty and heal it all back up, and now your eight point unit is basically dead from a Lancer supremacy after I've healed a bunch of wounds. Sure. I had it happen. I, I, I was playing Larks. I was playing Larks. Larks has been on the show before. Larks is digging Lannisters right now. He had a unit of just naked guardsmen. Um, didn't even have his commander in it. It was just a unit of guardsmen as a five-point unit. And I controlled the swords, and I charged them with head knight, hedge knights. And my thought process was, you know, seven dice, thundering, vulnerable. I should do five or six wounds. I'll take my supremacy, but... I owned the bag, plus one. I was next to a weirwood tree. It was a plus one. I was next to the sparrow. It was a plus one. It was like, eh, you know, it should be fine. And, yeah, I failed my Lannister supremacy check. I took a bunch of wounds. He healed with fealty to the crown. And, yeah, it sucked. But, I mean, sometimes that can happen. Um, I just don't see it as being any more of a feels bad than, you know, an eight-point unit getting wrecked by, <laughs> by like, raiders that, have Steyer on them and a raid leader and then they <laughs> borrow coordinated assault and they charge in and do 11 hits with thundering and it's like, well that was really neat my my eight point flayedman just exploded because raiders had like 11 hits <laughs> so it's just, it's just things that can happen I guess in the game but the biggest thing is you're aware you're aware of what the guardsmen can do 
and it's not hard to zone control them because they're slow. Yeah, but I guess like with the list I, I gave, it's it's mostly because the, the you know you can run six combat units, so you, it's very hard to flank them when you have six combat units, and then uh, uh-huh. uh, with the I definitely agree that the raiders shouldn't be able to be buffed so much that that unit can do that to you, but at least it's a proactive action. Whereas a reactive is much different. That's why, like, the old Baratheon deck was, you know, could be insane sometimes. I know the timings for the cards could really make it a challenge sometimes, but having the, what was it, I, Hours of Zafiri, is that the one that uh, after attacked, then you attack, and then then you activate yep. and attack? So when you can, the Guardsmen have, like, no punch, but if you can uh, pop off eight guys with uh, with a Lancer Supremacy, your unit's essentially useless now, and more often than not. And that panic doesn't care who you are, unless you're a giant, of course, because you have the no no more than two wounds. But you could be a Stagnite with your uh, Resilience uh, um, Order. Uh, you could be uh, Flademen. You could even be champions of the stag. It doesn't matter. The guardsmen only have to poke you with one wound to do some panic damage, and if you try to attack them back, you can explode the unit. And it's just, I think it, it's going to be able to get out of hand too quickly. But uh, but at this point, we're kind of just beating a dead horse. Um, it's one of those things that we see how it kind of shapes out. Um, there's a lot of unknowns at this point. And, uh, you know, I've already said it before, but I will say it again to close it out that Lannister Supremacy, my only concern with this rule. Otherwise, I think it could be healthy for the game um, to force, uh, you know, players to not just activate and sit and do nothing. Um, You know, that and it never, like, casually, it never made sense. Kind of like you were saying with your game, you know, you uh you could have just won by you know just doing some stuff, but you decided to just kind of play the game and have some fun. And I think that's where I think it'll really shine. Is uh you know it it never feels right to kind of play so hard to the mission in a casual game. Uh you know you're there to roll some dice. You know just kind of yolo it and you know some re- yolo charges and just you know. Whereas doing nothing would auto win you the game, but you know where's the fun in that? You know, just kind of, you know, get some dice rolled. So, you know, we'll have to see. But overall, I think Simon's doing a great job. I think, you know, no one cares about this game more than they do. Uh, so, maybe this is something that they've already seen. Uh, I'm just a little worried because of how much they were defending the guardsmen uh, in song chat. But maybe they're defending them because something's changing with them, or maybe there's something coming to other units that will help counter Lancer Supremacy, or you know maybe it's something else. Uh, with that said, I want to thank all of you guys for listening in. I apologize that uh, it you know we had like two weeks of nothing. Um, definitely want to get with uh, our shows. Um, 
the next show will, unless something big drops, the next show will be like a tactics talk. Uh, we did have a caller in that was wanted to talk about tactics stuff. Um, and uh, we'll definitely, I'm writing down the, you know, the question that they had um, that was more tactics talk related. Uh, that way we can discuss it uh, in the next episode. Um, and then uh, if you're still listening, go ahead and send uh, um, Small Council Radio's messenger uh, uh, a message and we can kind of go over some of that uh, as well. Um, and also for those that uh, were on our Discord, I had mentioned that uh, we will be uh, doing another giveaway soon now that um, most of all the card packs and all the other giveaways that we had are now, um, we got those out to those people. Still missing a couple other card packs, but I'm going to reach out to them again because I haven't heard from them in a, in a hot minute. Um, but stay tuned for the, the next giveaway because uh, I, I have a ton of stuff uh, to give away. Uh, not I'm not giving all of it away all at once, but uh, I do have a stockpile. I have a Greyjoy starter. I have a Free Folk starter. I have a Brathian starter. I now have another, let's see, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, um, like 15 unit boxes, uh, and they're all like good unit boxes. They're not just uh, like some starter units unit boxes. Not that those units aren't great, but a lot of people end up, you know, they have a bunch of those already um, from having bought the starters. Uh, so definitely stay tuned for that. Uh, they will be, I, I do know one thing is they will be tied to calling in to the show. Um, you know, I'd like to get more callers in to kind of um, give their thoughts on um, you know, the topic that we have going on for that show. So definitely uh, stay tuned for that. And we'll definitely, I'll be trying to get uh, shows, you know, multiple shows with the giveaways um, at different times of day to kind of help out with those that, uh, you know, that work during the day or that work during the night, maybe work during the week or work, work during the weekend and so on. You know, try to diversify uh, the schedule a bit. That way uh, most everyone has at least a chance. And don't forget that it is just, a, you know, it is just a simple call. If you, uh, you know, hit the link uh, that we send out, um, there is a link to just kind of call in so even if you're at work, if you have a few minutes to kind of, you know, get away from work and you can just call or maybe you're allowed to use your phone while at work, you know, you don't have to be like at a computer listening to like the podcast in that way. You can call that number and it's almost just like a phone call. Um, so and we encourage people to call uh, on every episode, you know, uh, and we try to make sure, you know, to make it a point to try to get some people on um, and, you know, give us their thoughts on, on the episode that we're, you know, that we're doing and the topic at hand. So definitely keep that in mind as well. Um, never feel like, you know, you, uh, you know, you're not welcome or, or whatnot. And you're always, you know, we appreciate anyone who's, uh, you know, who's able to call in, you know, whether or not uh, you're experienced or you are experienced, you know, even if it's just to ask a question or even if it's just to give us your opinion, you know, maybe it's an opinion that's the same as ours or different than ours, you know, no matter what, we'd, we'd love to have you guys call in um, and we'd love to start getting more callers because um, I think, uh, you know, we definitely have a lot of people listening to the show, but um, most people are just kind of listening to it after the fact. But we do do our shows live 
every single time. They are all live. They are all unedited. They're unscripted. They're just, you know, we kind of go at this, you know, on a whim, I guess is one way to put it. So, uh, you know, keep, uh, keep that in mind um, for, you know, future uh, episodes. Um, I want to thank you, Brett, for coming on. You know, I know we sort of had a, a you know, different in opinion on that last topic but i think overall for the most part i think we're on the same page for most of what uh the song chat was about uh yeah sure it's no problem it was a it was a pretty healthy debate slash discussion so good times yep so um just want to give uh some shout outs you know as always uh, check into a song of ice and fire stats.com. That's where you can create a profile and upload your matches with uh, another person who has a profile. And that way you can kind of record your games. You can kind of see how you're doing. You can kind of, um, you can input that data so that way we can, you know, as a collective, see what commanders, what factions, all the different data and see what's doing well, what's not. Um, also check out Sunday Slaughter amazing uh, podcast and uh, YouTube channel that uh, does battle reports. Um, not to, uh, you know, throw any other, uh, you know, or to downplay any other battle reports out there. My personal favorite battle reports are Sunday Slaughter. There's some amazing, con- there's other amazing content creators out there doing battle reports. Uh, so definitely check them all out. Uh, check out Sunday Slaughter and, um, you know, keep an eye out for all the other content creators out there. There's so many of them um, and, you know, every little bit uh, helps, especially if you're itching for uh, some more, um, you know, content. Uh, I believe it's uh, On The Table Gaming on their site. If you go on the Table Gaming dot com if i'm correct uh they actually have a tab that will give you a list of every single content creator that uh that they know of um it's a pretty long list um so definitely check that out uh and then i want to give a shout out for uh the lvo coming up in january i believe it's uh i think it's a third week in january uh it's in las vegas so there might still be tickets. I am not sure, but definitely check that out if you're looking for a bigger event. Uh, and then Adepticon should be coming up, I believe, in March. And I think they are going to be starting tickets uh, sales in January. So keep that in mind. I also believe that Gamers Haven is having another tournament um, in January. I want to say it's the the week before, or maybe two weeks before LVO. Um, I would check in with uh, with a song of uh, a song of ice fire stats dot com has a list of all tournaments and it is on there. So if you wanted to get the dates for that, those events are awesome. They're usually very large, um, so I would definitely check that out. Uh, again, guys and gals, thank you so much for listening in. I really do appreciate everyone that uh, tunes in. You know, the one way you can definitely uh, show your support for the channel to share out the show, to share it out to your gaming group. Uh, to any groups that you're a part of that uh, consist of a song of ice and fire miniatures. And uh, that's, you know, that's the number one way you can uh, show your support for us. Uh, With that said, this is the small council radio and it is dismissed.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.